0: I love you. Greetings, salutations, welcome back. Oh, so happy to have you here, Couch Potatoes. I am the Green Traveler from Gourge.
1: Oh, exalted potatoes. Oh, Ooh. magnificent golden or purple crisps, depending on what you buy. Uh, you know, there's red ones too. I like the red ones. They're good. Um, yeah. and I'm, I don't I'm, I gonna ever stop, stop talking about eating the audience now. I introduce myself. I am faces leone and this is a podcast about movies and TV called Green. And faceless on the couch.
0: Indeed. Indeed. And we're here today with uh, two animated features. One is actually the first film I, uh, maybe both of us, have seen of 2022. Uh, Yeah. The House. Yeah. Yeah. I I had said earlier that I thought maybe The Matrix, whatever the most recent one was, Mm -hmm. resurrected uh maybe that was but that came out in december yep came out in december Yep, but but the house it's actually our first 2022 film there have been a lot of films in the theater that i have kind of just been avoiding i've been hinting at wanting to go see scream but every time i have the opportunity i talk myself out of it so we'll see yeah
1: the numbers are still
0: pretty bad yeah yeah and i'm kind of like trying to weigh what is worth going to the theater for the right. Death on the Nile coming out with Kenneth Branagh about, uh, the you know, the adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel. I'm pretty freaking interested in that.
1: Heracule Poirot. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we could do a sequel smash on that.
0: Yeah, Since I'm fucking down like for that. that. But the problem is, I think that's only in theaters again. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's whether you want to risk it or not. I think I'm definitely going to go see it. It but might I just... still
1: be in Voodoo. Voodoo is It has, might. That's uh, true. Because Fandago has certain rights i don't know how they managed it but
0: right i don't get a lot of it but yeah it's worth checking out the what what's not in streaming and what really upset me was we were originally going to pair uh, our other animated feature Encanto, with west side story yeah but steven spielberg being the you know Pompous little high highfalutin director that he is doesn't want want his stuff going to streaming until after it's been in theaters for like two or so months.
1: Spielberg, we owe you so much.
0: So yeah. I doubt it's made its money back.
1: Yeah, well, right. I mean, I can't imagine who all is going to the theaters. I mean, I'm sure there's states that have their shit together better better than us, but right, right. now, like, I can't. I don't know. I just couldn't think about sitting in a room with a whole yeah. bunch of people, even though that's what I literally did last night and the night before, because <laughs> I run the opera and ballet lights. But, I, you know,
0: I'm behind a glass, so. Right. I know there's people out there who are like, geez, you guys are really afraid of this thing. No, it's not even a matter of fear. It's more of a matter of if I catch it, I'm like, I can't work for a weekend. I know my job's really good about helping with it, but right. I just had a four-day weekend and I went fucking nuts with nothing to do. Like, I got a lot of shit done. I got a lot of shit done. But at the end of the day, when I hit around like maybe four or five in the afternoon, I'm sitting here going, man, I've done everything I set out to do today. I've cleaned the house like twice. I've done all my exercises. I've meditated. I've done yoga. I'm like, what the fuck else am I going to do now? And I'm like, oh, guess i could play a video game i'm just i'm so right <laughs>
1: i've been really bad at playing video games too like when i get bored i'm like oh maybe i could play a video game yeah but i could also just watch tv and then i just sit there very <laughs> antsy watching tv well, see, I,
0: I struggle with that too i can't watch tv i'm, I'm so antsy it's just like I, i've become such a, a busybody. like i i need some kind of work. It's hard for me to just sit down and relax. Right. You know, I got to be doing something or be with somebody doing something. Right. If it's something like
1: an episodic kind of a show like Star Trek or something, especially since I've already seen it, I could pull out, like, my laptop and either write or play a game. But See,
0: I can't even write with anything else going on. I have to be – it's got to be perfectly calm. I've tried so many times to write with music. And I just get lost in the music.
1: I have a really hard time writing without something else going on. Right. (laughs) Because uh, I just keep on getting distracted from it. And for some reason, having the background music on, like, it's like my brain has these different layers. And, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe that's true. I don't know, because when they cut up and open my head, it's just a bunch of silly putty so (laughs) who the fuck knows but it feels like operates on different layers like right now i'm focusing with you but also because there's nothing else going on there's, like, all these gears turning back there trying to think right. of other stuff. And that's why I could hardly, uh, you know, spit <laughs> out a
0: sentence. I can hear it, too, because you, you scroll your wheel because uh, you're, like, trying to, like, find something to, like, either talk about or just something right. to, like, read on the screen. But, like, you're still listening. It's very clear that you're listening. But, like, I could hear the wheel scrolling. Just yeah. rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm same way, though. I, I get it. I, I totally get it. It's very hard to just focus in today's age. but mm-hmm. and, and because of that because of the the idea of, you know, if I catch this crazy covid, I'm going to be on the couch for, you know, 5 days or whatever until I'm, you know, I get a negative test. And it's just, you know, I can't I can't think about that. I need something to work on and if I'm stuck at home for 5 fucking days, I'll get a lot of shit done. That's for goddamn sure, but by the end of the day, I'm going to feel really weirdly wrung out with yeah. nothing to do. And it makes me mad that Steven Spielberg and a lot of other directors are like, "No, it's got to be in the theater." I get it, I get it, I get it completely. Like, I understand that you make this with the intention of seeing it on the big screen. Right. That, that is that is your goal. That is your desire. That's what you want. I totally understand. What I as a viewer want is to just see your fucking movie. Yeah. And man. if you make it easy for me to do that, I'm gonna see your fucking movie. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, gonna, it's not gonna be on pay a giant movie.
1: I will pay you money to see it easier. Yeah, as much as I like love I, the movie theater too, like I want to support the movie theater, but I, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Like West Side Story, that's not something I imagine I need to see on a gigantic screen with surround sound. I'm sure the sound is, sound quality is beautiful.
1: But Everybody's screen is at least forty three inches, anyways.
0: <laughs> it's true, but I mean, like, I think I would still enjoy it at the same level of enjoyability as I would on my couch as in the theater. So, like, I don't – there's certain movies I understand where they're like, this needs to be seen in the big screen. Like, Dune, I felt bad that I watched that on my couch. I really I did. I did
1: feel bad about that because it would have been magic. Yeah. I mean, it was what it was. And I do appreciate that that one was available for us to watch. Yeah, Same, same. Because I, I don't think I would – I, I would still be waiting for it. I do yeah. kind of want to buy that on, get a <laughs> I think, copy of
0: that. It's out already, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to get it sometime soon, but I'm not sure when. But uh, So, we just we had to do a quick pivot. We had to, you know, I thought West Side Story would be available after 45 days in the theater. We're going on day like 60 and I don't think it's still on any streaming service. It's common, I think. I think I read an article that said it was common, but we had to do a quick pivot. We had to find something to pair with Encanto. We were going to do a musical, uh, Stay or Go, instead. We're doing an animated stare there going. I'm go. kind of happy we did. There you go. Because uh, we're, we're going to talk The House, our... uh the House, brand our, new. Our first film, yes. Brand is new. It is an anthology.
1: New. I'm sure they worked on this for quite some time. Yes, it is a three-part anthology about a house. I believe The House is the same each time. Yeah, The, the House the is house... the
0: same. It's the only connecting factor.
1: Yeah, but it is also... Uh, it's the same house, while also having completely different things that happen, or that it mm-hmm. does. The house is its own entity in this; that it does to the other cast members.
0: So, how about we, uh, how about we take this the house apart? Let's uh, let's let's dive into each individual story. I'll go yeah. ahead with the first one. Okay. Uh, the first one is titled "And Heard Within: A Lie oh. is Spun." I'm gonna and have to ask
1: a, you for the titles of each of them.
0: But. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I like I like the title choices because it's a very yeah. nice little uh, poem, or I don't know if it's if it's technically considered a poem, but whatever. Metaphor. Uh, it rhymes. <laughs> it rhymes. That's all that matters. But "And Heard Within" Elias Spun is the first one. It's about a family that moves to a new home just built for them after the the father has a rough dinner with some. Uh, some rich, uh, affluent his, relatives. Yeah.
1: I think it might be his mother uh, or grandmother.
0: I was like, I wasn't sure if they ever actually named them in regards to the relationship with him. You just kind of get it from the child's perspective. And the child's right. like, these people are weird as fuck. And I and, really like, very like snobbish.
1: that it is from the child's perspective. The child's name is Mabel, right? Played by Mia Goth.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Claudia Blakely is, the, Penelope is the... The younger daughter? Maybe she's the mom. Oh, that's uh, right. There's-,
1: there's, I think the baby's name was Penelope. You might be right that that is right. Oh, I yeah, because there's
0: there's on. Mabel and there's Penelope, two young kids, and then there is uh, was it Raymond? Was that the yes, father? Yes,
1: Raymond, played by Matthew Good.
0: Yeah, I, I sadly didn't write down who the the mother character was. But like the whole thing, each, each section has their own directors too. Uh, this section is directed by Emma DeSway or Emma DeSweet and Mark James Rolls or along those lines. I'm sure I pronounced your last names wrong, but yeah, this, this family moves into this new home and shit gets re- weird real fast. Like, uh, I don't really remember specifically what's going on with the house itself, but. There's like an innkeeper. He's not really the innkeeper not an innkeeper, that's bad. Butler, maybe I guess. His uh, name's Mr. Thomas. Yes. Um, he
1: I think said that he he represents Mr. Vaughn, whatever the fuck.
0: <laughs> the guy who built the house for them. Yes. Uh, because yeah, I didn't even I didn't even explain. The father uh the father character had, you know, they had that bad family experience where like his rich family members came and he kind of felt like a failure because he's living in this like dinky little house with his kids kind of feels run down. And he goes off for a walk at night and he's like really pissed and mad. And as he's taking a piss, there's this weird carriage somewhere nearby and he like walks in there and that Mr. Von Von fuck, whatever. is just like, I don't make you a deal. Like we don't see the deal. It's just a very, yeah, it's a very like, horror scene where it's just like you know you have the well-lit carriage in the in the dark forest and you have that ominous choir music in the background i thought when i
1: i didn't really read the description i really thought that that first story was going to be the whole movie uh and and i I thought it was really setting up really good for that and i did want to just correct us real quick penny or penelope played by Claudia blakely is the mother not the baby. The
0: mother, okay, and the baby probably just doesn't even have a voice. Maybe uh, I'm sure there was a voice actor, but I just that's not, why I did.
1: I had to go to like a Netflix actual to get pictures of the cast. I had to go to, like <laughs> a Netflix thing, and they don't have the entire cast, just
0: like the main characters. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel like there's probably a voice actor for the baby, but yeah, the baby didn't have lines, so I don't know why I would have assumed Penelope was the baby. <laughs> but but pretty much what happens is Mabel, the daughter, starts to discover that you know her in this new house, her parents are acting very weird. You know, her dad is uh, like they both get dressed in these like really weird. They look like cushions on furniture right. like, outfits, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of odd and hilarious, and and, and it like continues to evolve from there you know things hmm. get really weird the father's like staring into fire constantly it's just like ooh, fire and then the mother is sewing non-stop and it it slowly devolves into a pretty decent horror idea yes and the problem is for me the problem is that when it reaches its end And that's the end of the story, and it moves on to the second part, and we discover it's an anthology, because neither of us read the description beforehand, it seemed. Then I was just like, oh. Oh, okay. Oh. I guess. I thought there was
1: more to this story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I did. Because I was getting invested. I was getting invested. And when the second one starts, you know, the second one, I'll let you uh, detail what that is about, but it's titled, Then Lost is Truth That Can't Be Won. And when it starts, though... I was like, oh, maybe there'll be details that I can pick up from this from the first one. And I'm sure there are, but it did not further or finish that first tale story. That's just – that story is done.
1: It's done. That's (laughs) the end of the story. This is a completely different story. Same house. We know it's the same house because the developer played by Jarvis Cocker – let's see. Yeah, just developer. I guess they don't – I don't think they really give his name –
0: Rats don't need names. Oh, I
1: see, I see. Yes, and also, <laughs> there are no longer humans in, in the in the show. The rest of the show, nope. they're animals. Inexplicably. In this, they're like yeah. mice or rats. I think maybe rats.
0: Rats, I think. I, he at least was a rat.
1: Okay. Well, the developer, he mostly talks through uh, phone calls with other people. Some kind of housing crisis happened very similar to the 2000s for- us and our world uh and he is having trouble getting rid of this house even though he's put a shit ton of money into it and Mm -hmm. he's about to have an open house and he discovers that he has an infestation and he can't afford a bad one a bad one yes it's some kind of (laughs) what were they they were some kind of uh they were fur mites or something like that
0: yeah, I don't I don't remember specific I know there were like cockroaches like looking things. Yes,
1: but they were broader than that and they're and yeah. it, like when he was researching them, the larvas are like the largest oh. larvas of any insect oh. or something like that. So gross. And, uh, so yeah, gross. it's pretty gross. And he tries to take care of it himself and once the open house begins, it's Relatively a disaster because nobody wants to spend that much money in an economic right. crisis. But there's two people. I can't recall if they leave their names. They're listed as Odd Wife and Odd Husband. I see. In here, it's just Odd Couple. And
0: it's oh. <laughs>
1: Finn, uh Volter who plays them.
0: Uh, Yvonne Lombard plays the Odd Wife. I see. They're both just labeled as odd couple that is weird that's very weird
1: okay anyhow they are very interested in the house but yeah. what's very interesting or odd about this couple is that he is an extremely uh broad looking rat or mouse and she is a very tall yet lumpy mm-hmm. <laughs> mouse or rat as well
0: a <laughs> rodent Yes.
1: You get this sense that maybe they're rodents in disguise, and that's kind of what the story is about. So
0: Right. Yeah, and it's it's them just like moving into this beat up old house right. without paying for it, without doing anything. They just they just waltz on in and they're like, wow, well, we're very interested in the house. Yeah. And he's just like, Okay, but I need you to fucking pay for it, you to either sign papers. Need to buy
1: it or leave? And then they invite yeah. their relatives <laughs> over. <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously it is, I, I think it's a bit obvious. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that it is a representation of the infestation that has already happened. And yeah. it, I think that it's really interesting what they did with it, but there's oh. this really super trippy, like bug yeah. dance number. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I did
0: not get it. I did not. That's the whole thing with this this entire this entire anthology. it leads into the third one also. It's just like I just didn't get it like I loved yeah, not it so sure. it's very
1: weird. yes, I want to watch it again.
0: I feel like they want me to dive in and analyze it, but like I just have no desire to do so. It was just enjoyable enough that I'm like, yeah, that was fun to watch and they, it, as I said, it continues into the third one. The third one is listen again and seek the sun. So altogether you have And Heard Within, Elias spun, Then Lost This Truth That Can't Be Won, Listen Again and Seek the Sun. And I really like that. I think that's a beautiful yeah. little poem. This one, it's very similar to the second one. It is about a cat named Rosa, who is uh played by Susan Wacoma. Um, and she is trying to fix this house. There was an mm-hmm. apocalyptic flood. And there are very few buildings remaining, and the house is one of them. It's sitting there above the water. It's still attached, I guess, to the land. I can't remember how. I don't even know if they explore it at all. But it, it's there. She's fixing it up. She's trying to make it this beautiful inn for people to come to. Problem is, being in the giant fucking wastelands of a flood, yeah.
1: nobody really is
0: coming. There is right. uh, there's a guy there named uh, uh, na- Elias. There's another cat there, yes. I think
1: played by will sharp there's two cats that live with her but they don't pay rent even though they have agreed
0: to right Um, i mean they help out as much as they can elias brings in fish and then i can't remember what jen does exactly jen is played as you said by hell in the bottom card earlier
1: right i think she tries to offer teas and stuff like
0: that (laughs) i think that's right yeah and then along comes Cosmos, the first person. Uh, first, I keep saying person, but he's another cat uh, played by Paul K. He yes. comes in, and he's a bit of a character. He he does the uh, the I, I can't remember the exact. It's the throat chanting. Um, yes,
1: the Tibetan throat singing. Tibetan, he, yeah, throat he, singing. Thank you. He has. Uh, he he's got a little bit of appropriation on him. Uh, yeah, he's but a well traveled cat. <laughs> he thinks he's a, a spiritual. Master. Guide. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Uh, And he does you know honestly help Rosa. He does. Yeah.
0: He makes decisions that greatly irritate her. Yes. But he's making them to try to help her. He is. To try to help her see.
1: Jen and Elias they know it's time to move on. They know that Mm. that honestly this one I think I got more than the other ones. Because it's, it's really about our society right now. These other characters, they're ready to move on because it's not working. But Rose is really hanging on. She's trying to make it work. And yeah, she's so attached I, to her dream. She's attached to her dream. And they help her realize that it's time to move on by leaving with Cosmos. So I think all in all, this one was probably the strongest in what the message was supposed to be.
0: And it's not even about like giving up on your dreams. It's also, no. it's, it's, it's about more like learning the realistic expectations of, or limitations of your dream. So right. it's like, Cosmos comes in. He's like, I know you want to make this into an inn. You want this house to be good and beautiful. That's just not going to happen. Staying put here. He's like, right. you have to move on. You have to leave. Uh, I don't want to give spoilers, but like, you can take your dream with you and right. adapt it. Right, you don't it's have to about leave it
1: It's about adapting, yeah. and I do think there's a little bit of commentary on late stage capitalism in there.
0: Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah, and and I enjoyed it. I really thought this was this one was my favorite of the three. I liked the horror aspects of the mm-hmm. first two. This one has far less horror in it. Yeah. It still has a lot of that weird. Like, you had that moment where uh, Rosa wakes up in bed and she hears the Tibetan uh, throat singing. Right. And, like, she's, like, it's it's kind of like a spooky kind of scene from The Witch where it's just, like, you hear that sound. You're like, "Uh oh, some shit's going to go down. But she just goes out and it's just another cat chant, you know, singing on the beach. So, you know, it's just, it, it has horror elements, but it's very much the least horrific of the three.
1: And they all had, like, very good comical moments, too. Yeah, this yeah. this last one more so, like the way that Cosmos irritates Rosa, did give me some yes <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure.
0: <laughs> it was pretty good, yeah. And I didn't mention the uh, the second one was directed by Nikki Landruth von Barr. and uh, this third one here is directed by Paloma Baeza. So you know, all of all in all, I think they all did amazing job uh, directing. There's four directors total for the three different uh, stories. Shorts. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't even talk about the animation. Uh, it, it's all stop motion. Yeah. Which is just, you know, you, if you've listened to us talk before about it, we fucking love stop motion animation. There's a lot of respect that goes into that.
1: Yeah, I think it's more respect than love for me because, like, I always feel like there's something missing with this story. And it, and I mm. think it comes down to, like, just how much effort it takes to make the. This stuff happened, It's hard to go back and revise,
0: right? You know. Yeah, I so. thought with uh, with this one, I thought the human characters in the first one, I thought their animation was a little weird. Uh, yeah, but I liked. kind of. <laughs> I did like it. I really did, but they're all they're all the the dolls they use are like fuzzy a little bit. Yes, and so yeah. you can kind of see that on their faces, which kind of threw me for a bit. Because, like, I mean, I guess it's a precursor for the the animal world you're going to see later right. on, but. It was just very weird when you would have a close up of, especially the father's face, and you would just see like a crap ton of like peach fuzz all over his face. Yes. Like I, I know yeah. we all have peach fuzz, but like it was just a little off putting.
1: Yes, <laughs> it, it, it. And they have a very simple animation for the very the much, faces too. Oh yes, that that too. They they have very very small faces. In fact, uh, my wife, when I hovered over the thing, is like, "This is what we want to talk about." She's like, Oh yeah, turn that on. I want to watch those little weirdos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. They are very freaking weird. And then the others, the others, uh, not so much the second one, but the third one had very strong, uh, fantastic Mr. Fox feels yes, with their definitely. claymation. And I think definitely. that was the one that pulled off the claymation the best. Like it looked beautiful, especially it when really you had does. like the wide shots of the sea. Oh, so good. And the second one's good, too. I really... The second one has some really creepy animation. Like, the bugs yeah. disturbed the fuck out of me. Yeah, did. I did not... I was not for those bugs. And they had that long dance number scene, which was kind of hilarious, but at the same time, all of a sudden they doing it just like, uh, okay, enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> I, li- I lived in an apartment that had cockroaches. You're giving me way too real of vibes right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so after I realized it was an anthology, I was like, oh, shit, how many are there? And then I was like, mm. is it just the two? Am I going to have to deal with these bugs for a really long time? Uh, so, I was glad that it ended with yeah. with the, the the cats and the flood thing. Yeah, I agree with uh, that. But I think if I would to lead into closing statements for this guy.
0: Yes, yes, please do.
1: I think that I would have been happier if it just stuck to that horror story with the people at the beginning. Uh-huh. But since it was short's. I think the other two were good additions to the film. So I'm kind of like on the fence about what I think about that. But I really wish there was more to that first one. Agreed. I think the last one was the strongest. I give it a face. It's it's yeah. it's definitely competent. It's very interesting. I mean, you don't get as many stop motion movies nowadays, especially no. ones geared towards an adult audience. This, this really isn't for kids
0: and i think stop motion is perfect for horror so i feel like there's something with those first two that they really could have expanded into bigger projects i agree you know that's that was my biggest flaw with the whole thing is as i said earlier like i feel like they want me to analyze more about like what the house means to all these people what it means overall and i just don't want to i wanted a connected anthology like i mean i don't know i like i like it better if you know, I, I can read a lot of short story collections. That's that's my right. I love that. But the, the ones that really get me, the short story collections that really grab me are like the Winnesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson, like the these stories that have something that ties them all a together. Connecting
1: thread, yeah.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be wowing. Like I, I like that the house is a connecting thread for the these three stories. But at the same time, it really doesn't feel like a connecting thread because it, it seems like it's a different house each time, right. even though it's the same one.
1: Yeah, I think that could have been stronger.
0: Yeah, and I would have preferred it if the the second and third ones tied back into that first one. If they continued that storyline or or developed it in some way but did their own story with it, Like that would have been great. But since they're all just only connected by the house and from what I saw in first viewing, little else – I give it three stars. It was still very interesting. That's a pretty
1: good rating, I think.
0: Yeah, and I and I love this. I love stop motion. It's one of my favorite types of animation. I I, I agree with you. It does seem like there's something missing, but at the same time, just thinking of the amount of work that went yeah. into it and knowing that an artist poured themselves into it so much, oh yeah, that just immediately grabs me. It's it's just a very fascinating yeah. high respect high style. Respect. Yeah, Be- beautiful, and I'd love to do it some uh, figures in this.
1: I think that's what they call them, is figures. And we want to do a stop motion thing sometime, but, you know, that costs a yeah, lot of time and resources
0: that that requires. Yeah. It's like an hour more just to do like eight seconds of filming. It's fucking, yeah. it's even more than that. I think it's like, you know, I think at the end of the day, you've gotten maybe a minute if you're good. <laughs> right.
1: And that's not including uh, the actual work to make the figures themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But I, I do recommend it. I think it is just weird enough that if you're uh if you're someone out there who likes the weird and you like animation, <clears throat> especially if you love stop motion, uh yeah. go out and check out the house. It's on Netflix, right?
1: Yes, is a Netflix original Yeah. go enjoy.
0: But we're gonna we're gonna compare that well not compare it, but we're gonna put it up against Encanto, Disney's yes. latest. Yeah, good luck and the house. Yeah, sorry. The house you hey, got a strong champion. Yeah, they are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Before we do that, though, we should take a soda pop
0: break. I agree with you. I think you is right. All right, we'll be back. All well, right, Do you think? Uh, do you mind
1: if I uh, describe Encanto?
0: Oh, please do, please do. Do you mind if I first mention the director and stuff? Yeah. Yes. we back by. It the way. is <laughs> we'll be, Hello. It is uh, directed by uh Jared Bush. Uh he co- he he co-directed and co-wrote Zootopia and uh Moana. So oh, that, wow. you know, he's he's uh, a so familiar he's name for them and it's He's the guy. It's also uh, directed by Byron Howard, who did Bolt, Tangled, and Zootopia as well. And then I, th- I think, I think it had a co-director, Sharice Castro Smith. Uh, yes, she was also that's... the writer. I see. Uh, I, I guess Jared Bush also wrote the script too, but I think it originally started with Sharice. So there's that, and and of course the music, beautifully done by Lin Manuel Miranda. With uh, Jermaine Franco, I believe, doing the compositions. Nice. So, a little technical stuff before the summary. So, Encanto
1: (laughs) is about this town or settlement started by Abuela Alma. And when she did so, when they left for this settlement, they were hunted down by conquistadors and a miracle happened which blessed the madrigal is that right yeah yep the madrigal family so that they have special powers and they protect and make this town wonderful and and Mm -hmm. lovely for all the people and the people feel safe
0: and i think it's uh it's important to note That when they were hunted by the conquistadors, that miracle happened after Abuela's husband uh, was killed. That's right.
1: And so, to be an Abuela, you have to have grandchildren. I didn't know if you knew that. (laughs) But um, the main character is Alma's granddaughter, Mirabel.
0: Voiced by Stephanie Beatriz. Yes. uh, She was actually in In the Heights. Oh, Um, I don't remember her character's name. Let me get a
1: closer look at her so I can... Yeah.
0: Oh, and uh, while you're doing that, Abuela was voiced by Maria Cecilia Botero, and uh, the singing for Abuela was done by Olga Meredith.
1: She was Carla in in The Heights. I'm having a little trouble remembering exactly, but I think she was one of the more important side characters
0: yeah i can't remember if she was the uh
1: i think she was the one of the women at the uh
0: hairdresser but i could be wrong i
1: Don't think you're right that.
0: i'm trying to remember who's i was just gonna say i'm trying to remember whose love interest she was which is like horrible <laughs> but like that's all i could think of is like i'm trying to remember who was interested in who in that movie <laughs>
1: I don't remember. It was too long yeah. ago. Uh, I don't know that story as as well as uh, other Lin-Manuel Miranda stuff. But as well as Encanto. As well as Encanto. In fact, I have seen
0: this movie twice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's deserving of it. Yes,
1: it's pretty good. So, Mirabelle, she's so cute. She's the best. Uh, she loves yep. her family so much. She ha- has glasses, glasses. Uh, Homemade dress and uh the there, this is based in Colombia, and you could tell by the costume and uh architecture it's it's very well done, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I have a cousin who uh my first cousin is half Colombian and she was just visiting not too long ago oh, her really nice. and um their family there. And she was putting pictures on Instagram and it, it really has that feel in that yeah. still, it still does.
0: And I really like Mirabelle's just complete unabashed, like need to make everyone happy. Like she is very, <laughs> she's very like, I got to try to like be as much as I can for my family. Yeah. I, I don't know. I yes. love that. Aspect she's of so, her.
1: so loyal and noble. And yeah, I, I love her. And she she j- just knows everything about the family. In fact, one of the, the opening part, it's not the first part of it, but the bigger number in the opening where she's expressing all the powers of her family to some neighborhood kids, you could just tell how important they are to her. It's important for mm-hmm. her to know how they all fit together. But the end of the song, you realize that Mirabelle, for some reason, when it was her turn, did not receive any gift.
0: And that's like the, the beauty of that whole song, at, uh, at, like right, at the, right out the gate. Uh, I mean, not as you said, it's not the very first thing, but it, I think it is the first song. It might be. When it's starting, when it happens, and she's starting to list off her whole family... As the viewer, as the audience it is kind of like a little bug at the back of your head is like, Oh no, this is a huge fucking cast. I'm going to have to remember a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's going through her whole family and we'll go through them here soon. But they all have like different traits. They all have different personalities, different motivations. And it's just, it is a huge fucking cast. Yeah. But the beauty of that song is how they present it and how it all ha- like all of the, uh, kind of the dance choreography and everything that's uh-huh. going on while she's singing and while you're seeing all these people really well done it, yeah. they really just feed it to you so perfectly that it doesn't seem overwhelming at all you're kind of just like brought into this family and it's like okay you know you you, you kind of get to know everybody pretty well within the first like 20 minutes and like i i, I want to applaud the fuck out of this movie for that because with oh, a huge yeah. cast it's hard to give everybody a moment
1: and, and it's do hard to a great
0: job yeah and and to even just con- compel and develop those characters to have that moment it's just very hard to do that with a massive cast like this within, I think it was not, it's not even two hours probably. It might have been two hours, but it's just, it's so well done. It is
1: amazing. So, there are what we should start talking about these family members, I think. And we'll, and I yeah. think we should start at the top of the family tree and work down.
0: That works for me. With that. I don't, I'll be a little lost because I just had them kind of scattered out on my notebook, right. but I'll figure it out. So,
1: um, there's Alma and her husband had triplets, and Peppa, the aunt, if I'm not mistaken, controls the weather.
0: That's right. She is played by Carolina Gaetan.
1: Yes. Very much attached to her mood, and I feel like she has the least control out of everybody over her abilities. Perhaps that might not be entirely true. I'll get to other people later.
0: Uh, Her uncle, married to Peppa, is played by Mauro Castillo. His name is Felix.
1: I love Felix. I think Felix might honestly be like my favorite side character
0: anyways. That's fair. He's great. He is lovely.
1: And some great interracial representation for that couple Mm -hmm. as well. So, we also have Julieta, played by Angie Cepeda believe that's how you say your name uh but she plays mirabelle's mother and she cooks meals that can heal people and it's
0: very very sweet very nice and it's very very helpful for her accident prone husband augustine played by wilmer valderrama which was a huge surprise for me because uh i don't think i've mentioned on the podcast yet one of my favorite shows of all time besides doctor who is that 70s show Yes, we
1: have mentioned the show, but I don't think you've expressly
0: yeah. said that it that you love yeah. it. Yeah. It, it's one of my favorites. Like uh, in, a, in a recent episode, I was just like I was making fun of the hey there hi there ho there and I was like, "Oh, that must be copyright." And I was like, oh, "Man, I can't remember what that's from. It's from that 70s show. It's it's Bob <laughs> the Next Door Neighbor. He'd always come and be like, "Hey there, hi there, ho there." Oh, <laughs> uh, I loved it. But Wilmer Valderrama was Fez in that show, and I I loved him so much. He was my favorite character, but he hasn't been in a lot of stuff since. Or if right. he has, I haven't seen a lot of him. And finally I get I get to have him back. He's the father in this and he was so wonderful. He's
1: very good. Yeah, I did not really recognize him at first until you told me. No. I was like, oh shit. So the second time I watched it, it was I was able to track that a little bit better.
0: But but Felix and Augustine, they're both married into the family. They don't right. have powers. Right.
1: So. so they, they both, for that reason, kind of, they help Mirabelle out because she feels, she feels left out, obviously. That's, that's part of the, the story. But she still, you know, wants to be a part of the family and help the town that there are, uh, you know, the protectors of. So, and I, I put the, I put that out there almost like they're superheroes, but it's more like they are the community leaders.
0: That's the beauty of this movie is there's no villain, there's yeah. no actual villain yeah there's, they're, they're like you said, they're not superheroes they are just you know protectors in a way they just they just help, and that's the, like I thought that was beautiful. I was kind of expecting them to to bring in some villain somewhere along the line I was kind of dreading it, right, so just don't don't dread that when you watch this if you haven't watched it yet. You don't have to. Just no, enjoy the story great. that's being presented.
1: There's obviously conflict. Otherwise, there would not be a story. Right. But we'll get into that later. So, <clears throat> the third character is Bruno, played by John Leguizamo, <laughs> Leguizamo
0: I think. Leguizamo. Yeah. He was, he, I'm so sorry. I know he doesn't like this, but he was Luigi in the Super Mario Bros. movie <laughs> <laughs> way back in the day. <laughs> that's your
1: your pull for
0: it okay uh, i'm so sorry john yeah you're amazing in is this he, is, like
1: so they they've done another ice age movie i don't know if you've known that but
0: yeah he, i'm sure i he, did somewhere online i don't know if he's still playing sid but yeah. i guess that is a more more apt uh role for him to be mentioned like <laughs> but that's what i know john like was on low it's luigi <laughs>
1: oh that's hilarious um i really like him oh i didn't know that he was the clown character in spawn that was a really good makeup job <laughs> but um there's this movie Very interesting with patrick swayze when he's super young about uh the drag queen community oh um i'm trying to remember what it's called i think it's looking up his his uh to wong fu thanks for everything
0: hmm never s- heard of it never seen it
1: i've seen it once or twice it's also wesley snipes yes i just wanted to make sure oh I, nice I was right on
0: that
1: <laughs> yeah and they, they're great awesome. we should talk about that movie sometime maybe even deep yeah, dive it.
0: it's one of my secret favorites oh interesting yeah well we don't talk about bruno but we don't so... talk about bruno so we're moving on no. <laughs> to give so, him his due, I know it's taboo to talk about Bruno, but he, he can see the future. Yes. He can, uh, he see, can see what it. things are going to happen. Not always clear. Mm. You know, that's that's always the thing with future. Uh, um,
1: Precognition. What is that called?
0: Precognition. Thank you. I should know that. I watched Charmed. But... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you never really see exactly the full story, but because of the the stuff that he witnessed, the um, the fortunes that he told, uh, he eventually just left.
1: Yep, he just he left. left. He, he Nobody left. knows what happened. we don't talk well, about. Him. We don't talk about Bruno. So let's get into the kids. Let's go with Pepe and Felix's kids first. So yes, that yes. would be Dolores who mm. i love I like Dolores. Dolores. she her She's ability lovely. is to hear from great distances she can hear a pin drop which it, would whatever well, uh played I hate by that so much Adessa? i'm not sure i if i know this artist but she is a one name artist which hmm. you, you always
0: yeah quote. i don't, not love sure that. but i think i would hate her power I'm, yes. I'm partially deaf. If you if you guys out there, if you couch potatoes don't know, I'm partially deaf in my left ear. Made some bad decisions in high school. It's hilarious, but that's that's whatever. And because of that, I've kind of gotten used to not hearing things, and it's kind of been lovely. You know, like people can talk shit about you, you just don't fucking hear it. <laughs> it really hasn't helped with my selective hearing. I've I've really toned out a lot of things nowadays. Yeah,
1: but I'm starting to lose in my right as well
0: yeah and i, I only really people.
1: noticed because of doing editing and stuff
0: oh really yeah
1: uh, also yeah. working backstage having to have a a headset on like if i put mm-hmm. it on my left ear it's like oh shit i can't hear anything that's going on around me
0: yep so i have to put it <laughs> on my right ear yep i feel like i would just absolutely hate her power just to be able to hear yeah. everything and I yeah. think also her power does open up a few plot holes. They cover it with one-liners, but it's still
1: eh, a little plot holy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to give spoilers away for the movie, but I do enjoy her side story too. Like mm. there there is a a love interest that she gets. And, and you know, because there's so many characters, it's hard to give them more than just one or two moments.
0: Yeah, I enjoy her. I do think that was like one of the smaller for me i feel like that was one of the smaller flaws that like don't at all hurt the film but like you know they're trying to give all these characters their own stories and their own motivations mm-hmm. and she gets the love interest it's totally fine right but it's at the same time it's a very just mundane age-old story right and they don't really yeah. do much to it which is good because they don't focus on it very hard which would have made it if that if that had been the main focus it would have made this movie very Boring. Yes,
1: yes. Because it's just a side story, I, I think it really works still. So her younger, she has two younger brothers. One is Camilo, played by Renzi Feliz, Feliz. Yes. And he is a shapeshifter. He can turn yeah, into anybody yeah. he's seen. And he, he's like the family clown, really. Yeah, he, he really how they gets into people's business and shit and you know
0: the- <laughs> my favorite my favorite is when Mirabel like rushes to dolores to be like have you heard anything about this like you you can hear everything yes. here's exactly what's going on i need to know if you've heard this and then like dolores is just staring dumbly at him and then you find out it's felice yes. uh, sorry what's uh camilo yes you find out it's camilo <laughs> it's just so funny because like her face is so perfect, just like what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> uh, uh, what the
0: fuck are you saying? That's crazy. <laughs> and so
1: their their youngest brother, who is also the youngest of the family so <clears throat> far, uh, is Mariano. And no, excuse me, Mariano is the the handsome man from the village. My apologies. Yes.
0: Antonio,
1: her. who gets their gift in this movie, and he can talk to animals. And yes. it's really cute and adorable.
0: And one of those animals is a clueless little toucan. Yeah. Played by, by Alan Tudyk.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he also gets to ride a jaguar, and it's pretty cool. And
0: uh, pretty before,
1: badass. Right before he goes, he's kind of scared because- well, Mirabelle's the second youngest, and hers didn't go so well. That's not the right. only reason why he's scared.
0: Everybody's kind of scared because of that, though. Right,
1: exactly. And she makes him this little jaguar stuffedie to take with him because they've been sharing a room up to this point. Because the house mm-hmm. also provides you a room when you get a gift.
0: So yeah, and Mirabelle's what, been living in like the the guest. Bedroom right. kind of thing. The nursery is what they call it. Yeah. Nursery, that's right,
1: man. So it's kind of cool that, you know, as soon as he opens up the door, this jaguar comes from the jungle and becomes his friend. But uh Antonio right. is played by Ravi Cabot-Conyers. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Ravi,
0: if I said <laughs> your name wrong. But he's the crooks of it, though, because it's like it, the whole story revolves around whether or not – I mean, at the very beginning, that is, about whether or not he's going to get his power. Yeah. Whether or not it's a, a, a new curse if the, the miracles run out, if it doesn't give family right. members new abilities. And uh, you also learn when he gets his own room that the house is kind of like the TARDIS where it can right. be bigger on the inside. Yes. Because he has just a whole fucking jungle in his in bedroom. Fact, like-
1: <laughs> these these town kids definitely say that. I definitely say it's bigger on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So let's talk about Mirabel's siblings. Yes. So her oldest sister is Louisa, and she's super strong. Yes, and she's she's awesome. Yeah, I do love her.
0: Played by Jessica Darrow. Absolutely. Fucking powerhouse. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think our friend group has been very vocal about how she is, like... She's awesome. Not only... Yeah, not only, like, our favorite... Uh, I mean, not... I don't want to say that for everybody, but a lot of our friend group, uh, Luisa, and especially me, she was our favorite... Uh, for some of us, it was just like, oh, we get a Disney, uh, not princess, but a Disney, you know, leading female character who is, you know, especially for one of our friends, the exact type of woman that he loves. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's wonderful that you get this just powerhouse of a female character. Right. And it, she's got some great moments it, too. Like
1: It is, is un- I think what is unfortunate about Louisa is that her having her body type, in the film is considered brave, you know what I'm saying? Because I, mm. I feel like there should just be more representation of people of her body type, type or any other body type in, in our media. Because oh know, yeah, especially for the representation of women, mm. there's not yeah, enough they're... of different shapes and sizes. And I think that this film, even with the the Mir Madrigal family. Does a really good job of that. There's different shades yeah. and sizes of of peoples, and shades of skin as well. Uh, they're a very beautiful, colorful family. I love it.
0: And, and we've talked many times before the podcast about everybody talks about the we don't talk about Bruno song. That is the the big song. That's the big number that everybody loves. It's uh, it's gotten covered by so many people already. Like it's it's a huge song. You know, Disney's – I think it's been Disney's biggest song to date. Oh, really? And I think so. I think it passed – I think Let It Go was just before that because, you know, oh, being yeah. on repeat for uh-huh. like a thousand fucking years. Ten thousand years. Yeah, that, that's everybody – whenever anybody at work, anybody of my friends, whenever they're talking about Encanto, they're like, oh, my gosh, that We Don't Talk About Bruno song, Yeah, oh, yada, yada, yada. For me, it was Luisa's song. Yeah, Luisa's song was amazing. I think it's called. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but it's about pressure. It's about yeah. You know, she is she is this strong woman who everybody expects to you know they can rely upon her to carry them pretty much, not physically, but sometimes physically. But like they they rely so heavily upon her. And she's under that pressure of, like, am I just my muscle or am I also a person? Like, you know, can I have feelings? Can I have emotions? Can I – am I anything without my strength? (laughs) And it's just – it's a beautiful – It's like, it's my favorite song. It's It's so so good.
1: good. It's very relatable as a – Yeah, yeah. I mean, I pride myself on my independent, like, actual physical strength as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I, I feel like at work that if I'm not there, certain things aren't going to get done because right. I, I am the person that does that. So uh, I, I related to it, but also this familial pressure that she gets, I, I understand that too. I'm kind of a little bit removed from my family unit at this point, but when we were back home, I was kind of treated like the standard of the family, and my my brother <laughs> was supposed to be working towards that and I don't think that was really fair to him either, and it wasn't right, fair to me right. <laughs> I will say, but that's just how family dynamics work yeah
0: so. yeah i don't I don't feel like that was uh very present in my family that like Either my brother or I were expected to reach some kind of, uh, goal or achievement. My parents were very, I don't know if laissez faire is the right word, but they, you know, they want us to be happy. They want us to be as successful as we want to be. Right. But they didn't, they didn't pressure us into going down certain paths. And I feel like a lot of that pressure I put upon myself. Mm -hmm. And so, that's why I relate heavily to Louisa and her song is because, like, I I feel like I was under – I've put myself under a lot of pressure to succeed at things. And it's myself that that I'm letting down if I fail, but –
1: That might be it for me, too, because I don't think – at least from their perspective, I don't feel like my parents felt that they put a lot of pressure on me
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: they didn't have to, because I just did it. Right. Right. It was more that I felt secondhand pressure on my, from my my brother. They they had to push him to get him to do anything related to academia, anyways. Mm-hmm. But now he has his own business and is
0: <laughs> doing. <laughs> hey, so do you, man? Matter.
1: He's got two kids. <laughs> <laughs> You don't nah. have two
0: kids. You got a dog kid. I got a dog kid. She's she's pretty good. But you do, have your, you do have your own business. We got this beautiful, That's lovely true. media production business. He yeah.
1: makes a little bit more money than us.
0: <laughs> it's not about That's, the money. It's not
1: about the money. In <laughs> fact, you know, if you but, listen to the show, I don't really care that much about money. So,
0: But, you know, speaking of money, if you do want to help out, you can go down to patreon.com slash green and faceless. We'll get that out of the way now. Check out yes. our tiers. See yes. if you want and to pitch in some money I to help us out.
1: I don't care. doesn't mean that i don't (laughs) really appreciate it slash that we don't need it to you know keep the show running and we'd appreciate those of you who have done so so far and uh we'd love to see more of you there helps pay the taxes yeah so there's one more family member isabella played by Mm -hmm. uh Mm. is is it diane or diana uh
0: i think it's Diane. diane diane guerrero Guerrero. Known for uh, I haven't seen anything that she's in except for Doom Patrol. She's in Doom Patrol She's also in Jane the Virgin and Orange is the New Black.
1: I uh, watched Jane the Virgin I've seen some of Orange is the New Black but I didn't Yes. Okay.
0: She's uh, uh, Lena. Yes She is uh,
1: Jane's best friend
0: yeah, She's quite good in Doom Patrol. I really loved her in Doom Patrol. I did not stick with that show yeah. Oh, she is really good in this. Yeah, no doubt about that. I'm just like, from what I've seen of her, I only remember her in Doom Patrol, which I think she was the one that had like the multiple personalities. Have you seen Doom Patrol? I haven't watched it yet. Not at all. Yeah, we, we were going to do it for uh, for uh, TV talks, but like, I just could not stick with it. It's really good, but it just wasn't grabbing me to to want to return to it. Right. But that's whatever. She's She's great. And I really enjoyed Isabella, but she is the one character that I'm just a little like. She's irksome, but
1: I I get it. I like her. Like I, I like what she does for the plot. She's she is kind of a stereotypical character to an extent. Uh she is very much the everything must be perfect and controlled, and it's really kind of funny that her name is Isabella because there was a camp that I was a counselor at. And there was a young girl named Isabel who acted (laughs) nearly exactly like this. She loved princesses (laughs) and stuff like that. Everything had to be perfect. Uh, Um, And her,
0: her uh, special power is that she can grow flowers. Yes.
1: Yes. And uh, you know, it doesn't, I would say it doesn't really stop there. I would say she's probably honestly one of the more powerful of the characters. Because at the the rate that she can produce plant life. It, it's yeah, pretty yeah. incredible. It's very much poison ivy, uh, but like princess yeah, poison but I don't,
0: ivy. <laughs> I never got the feeling that she could uh control them that well. Mm. It kinda just seems like she grew them that but not like she can make them into like to do things for her. Right. So like yeah, like Poison Ivy is a very uh, a close enough representation, but I was like I was like I couldn't remember if she could control them.
1: I feel like but like after what happens them, in the then movie, then she's
0: definitely powerful. I
1: think what after what happens in the movie, that's not a very controlled scene. What what I'm referencing mm-hmm. to without trying to give it away, but I think as she grows into an adult, she will have more control over it. More control Fuck. say than Peppa does over the weather
0: yeah yeah i feel bad i feel so bad for peppa because she has to like walk around and be like you know it's like calm down calm down calm down she's like knocking knocking storm
1: clouds away yeah if i'm not mistaken her mantra is clear skies clear skies skies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) because she's always got a storm cloud just overhead oh it's so wonderful but like that's okay so like uh, we We've talked the characters. The story is that shortly after Antonio gets his power the the power kind of breaks the the miracle yes, itself kind of breaks is going the on. yeah yeah the the house is like has cracks running through the walls through the floor um it It's implied that Mirabelle might be responsible for it mm-hmm. uh through um a vision that she discovers of Bruno's like a lost mm-hmm. vision kind of thing you know it's it's this beautiful moment where she wants to help the family. She has no powers to help the family, but at the same time, she wants to, to save the miracle to keep their power strong because they're all kind of losing their powers. They're all having uh, anxiety or, or mm. just complete struggles with their, this change in their life. And then she comes in and she has this beautiful dance and singing number with, with most of the family members through which she helps them kind of realize, I'm not just my power, I'm, I'm, I'm a person. Yeah. And it's it's that beauty that that beautiful storytelling as like as it progresses along where it's just like she's helping other people find themselves they're simultaneously helping her find herself. It's just it's fucking phenomenal. It's it's such a good yeah. story to watch. Yeah. And all in
1: all it it's it's about trauma. That's that's really what right. it is. About generational trauma, I'll say. Which I I hope that doesn't give away the ending for you. Because it's it's very rewarding movie to watch, it makes you mm-hmm. think about your own family and the dynamics that maybe aren't necessarily healthy, but why they might happen, right? And, and I think it's a very important movie right now. I feel like with with the yeah. tensions in our particular country, anyways.
0: I've spoken to a couple of my friends who relate more to the uh, the the family design that's presented in this movie the family tree mm. and they have all been like they nail it 100% they nail the the structure of this family in this region you know the the abuela is always very kind of always thinking about the family right. and the the image the family presents she and is
1: definitely the matriarch she has yeah she has the power she is uh yeah. the leader of the family
0: yeah, sure. and I haven't spoken again. I haven't spoken to all my friends who would relate closer to this film than I would as a white individual. But yeah, they they've all been very pleased with the representation and with the the just the straight fucking accuracy of these characters. Yeah. And you know, again, as a as a ignorant white individual watching this. I was just fucking blown away throughout the whole thing because I just loved all of the characters. Yeah. You know, even though there are some characters I have like little nitpicks with where I'm just like, Ooh, I don't like that. You're uh, like Isabella. I love Isabella. She's a great character, but she is the one character where I'm just like, Ooh, you preppy little like, argh. you know, that kind of, those kind of people will right. always bother me, well, but it's not in a way that upsets me or ruins that character. Cause I can still love the character. Mm. I still love what her story is. I love how they develop her story and, and how she interacts with everybody else. But it, she's just, you know, whenever you see that, like, little, the little, the preppy, like, I'm so perfect person. I'm just like, ooh, I don't like you because I'm not, like, right. I'm not perfect.
1: <laughs> I think anybody can relate to these, these characters and yeah. to this familial unit. Um, well, depending on how your family was growing up. I know for me personally, we were with, with my aunts and uncles at my grandparents' house nearly all the time like
0: at least yeah.
1: every weekend.
0: Yeah, we had we had aunts and uncles over at our place a lot and I'm sure that we visited quite a few times, but my family doesn't really fit with the this representation because right. like as close as my family is at the same time we're not together. You know, right. like this whole family is together all the time. My family was like, "Oh, here's a day we hung out this day." right <laughs> now we're our own family again for a long time like this whole family right. is all together non-stop
1: so yeah it really just depends on on how you grew up how much you're gonna identify with this movie but like you said it's just great representation and uh yeah. i want i'm so glad that disney went this route like when we were growing up they had a bunch of movies that were based in different places around the world. But most of all the cast members were white. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it is nice to have movies that are truly representing the people from the culture. And I think everyone should get satisfaction from that.
0: And I agree. And, And to go into my closing statement with Encanto, you know, I give it four stars. It's, it's absolutely fucking phenomenal film. Very entertaining. Easily worth multiple rewatches, which mm-hmm. is, like, the one thing that, to make it up to the fourth star, to mm-hmm. get that fourth star, you have to be able for me to be like, that was so Definitely. good, I want to watch you again. Right. And this is this is one of those. And, like, Mirabelle, I, I've said it to many people, Belle from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Right. My favorite Disney princess, like I hate, I, <laughs> she's not really right. a princess, but like, yeah. My favorite leading female character of a Disney animated film is is Belle. I relate so much to her because she's just a fucking librarian. You know, right. she loves books, she loves reading, and that is exactly what I love. Mirabelle, not surrounded by the books, not surrounded by that need to read or anything, but at the same time, she has so many similarities to Belle And I was just fucking in love with her because she's just a a good, caring individual who's struggling to be herself at times. Yeah. And I fucking loved it. It was Mirabelle is just phenomenal. She's my favorite. Uh is my favorite. I can have multiple favorites. Fuck you. I don't have to have just one.
1: Exactly. (laughs) They're all my favorite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're all my favorite. No, specifically Louisa and Mirabelle, I just they're amazing. And I just wanted to say, before I watched Encanto, I had the same worries I had going into Frozen. When these animated Disney movies come out, I don't typically see them immediately. I usually want to. I I Mm -hmm. got to see Moana when it first came out, but for whatever reason with Frozen, with Encanto, I wasn't able to just go to the theater and see them when they came out, and I had to wait until pretty much everybody else in my life had seen them. And with Frozen everybody was telling me it was amazing everybody was like oh my god it was so good and i watched it and i was like yeah that was okay
1: yeah i, I don't was know why everybody's flipping too. out too like they're all like it's the best one since the lion king and yeah. I, i'm like i don't know i and i think i enjoyed other movies that they've had come
0: out yeah. more than this yeah I, I watched it and i was like that was fine And with Moana, I really loved Moana. I thought Moana was great. I didn't realize Lin Manuel Miranda was part of that, uh the writing of the music for that. So it coming into Encanto, knowing Lin Manuel Miranda better Mm -hmm. and you know, loving the music that was presented here, I kinda like Moana a little more just because knowing now that it was his music. He's he's a great great composer. I do I was talking to you a little bit before the the podcast that there is a strong style of his writing that it, it kind of does immediately shout out oh this is lin-manuel miranda who wrote it that is apparent in encanto but it doesn't at all detract from the enjoyment that the music brings because <laughs> he's got some great fucking music in this movie it's so yeah, good it's great sarah's
1: been having the soundtrack playing all the time
0: yeah there's there's definitely songs that i've been playing not daily but almost daily that, you know i'm just i'm happy that i didn't have a repeat with frozen because this it was the same thing. Everybody was telling me you have to watch Encanto. It's the best Disney movie ever. It's you know it's so good. It's it's they did so much, and I was feeling just that dread when when people yeah. were constantly telling me I have to watch something because like I want to. I want to yeah. watch it. I want to feel the same love that they're having. But the problem is the way I'm built. The the way my critic mind works. I typically know that when somebody tells me that they absolutely wholeheartedly love something, I'm going to watch it or read it or do whatever to it and be like, okay, I get why you like it, but it's not for me. And now I feel bad because I got to go to you and tell you, hey, I watched that thing you've been telling me about for so long and I thought it was okay. And then just to see that crestfallen look on them, we're just like, oh, man, the critic didn't like it. It's like, no, no, I liked it. I just didn't love it like you did. Yeah. Well, in Canto, yeah. I was so happy that I was able to go to all these people and be like, I watched in Canto this weekend. It was so good. Yeah. And it, then they'd be like, oh, really yeah. Good. yeah." We'd, we'd have a good conversation about it. I was so I happy I was able to do that finally.
1: completely understand what you're trying to say about the expectations uh, going in. And, you know, I tried to have very low expectations. And like I said at the beginning, I've watched it twice already. It's really yeah. good. Go see it, guys. It gets a face a half for me. And, you know, I think I said this when we watched Raya and the Last Dragon. I think it's the best thing that Disney's done in a long time. So, which means they've had two great movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. They fucking killed 2021. Great job, yeah. Disney. Hell yeah. Yeah, because Raya was in one of my... I, I don't remember if it was in my top five, but it was in my honorable mentions at the yeah, right, at least. Yeah, I think it like, was
1: in my top five. And, uh, you know, I guess to go back... That Encanto would probably bump that out because this is good this is a good movie Yeah,
0: we're, uh, I think it's time to wrap it up I think it's clear Encanto yeah, wins very sorry yeah. The House The House was uh, very good I do recommend that but oh, I sure. recommend Encanto more if you only oh, have time for one animated film right. check out Encanto
1: if we were to say put the house up against Animalia I do you remember that? That stop motion uh, it was really yeah. weird. the guy had like face blindness, but it was more like he saw all faces as this one same face.
0: did we do that for the show?
1: No, but we definitely watched okay. it. It was years ago, but if we put it okay. up against that one, another trippy animation thing, I don't know. it might have won or at least been more comparable because I did like it. It was interesting, yeah, but it wasn't it was, it was not to the level of Encanto Encanto. You win.
0: Yep, easy. Allegedly. That's i I'm so happy all you uh, couch potatoes came in and uh, and checked it out, checked us out, listened to us talk about these films. Uh, until next time, uh, I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. and I am
1: the Faces Leon. Thanks for listening. Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting Patreon.com/GreenAndFaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.